When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones is just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to recap day number three at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. And so for that, we bring in our friend who covers the Indianapolis Colts for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. Here's our man on the scene in Indy this week, Mr. George Bremer. George, what's up, brother? Not much. How's it going? It's going a lot better for me than it is for some of these guys that are on display at the Combine. We're going to find out more about Kenny Pickett, for example, who it is not going well for. Leaking out today that he's apparently got eight and a half inch hands. No quarterback with hands under nine inches has been picked in the first round in almost 20 years. I guess it's because they're worried about fumbles. That's what you were saying to me before we started recording, George. So I guess to answer your question, I'm doing better than Kenny Pickett right now. Yeah, you know, and I don't think that was a big surprise. That was something that was kind of brought up throughout this offseason that his hands might be a little too small. He didn't measure at the senior bowl. It became a big deal there. Uh, he basically said that he was doing some kind of hand exercises and he just he was only going to measure once. He wanted to do it at the combine. Uh, and so they're eight and a half. It's about a half inch under where the ideal, whatever, you know, that means is uh, he did fumble. Depending, It's hard to get solid fumble numbers out of college. They don't keep them quite as accurately as they do in the NFL. But somewhere between 38 and 41 fumbles over his career at, at Pitt. So it definitely is something that, that you're going to keep an eye on. And, you know, people also worry about inclement weather. You know, maybe teams that don't play indoors. Uh, or play in a division like the Jets where you're going to play, you know, who knows how many games in Buffalo, you know, in in New York, in New England, and, and all the way that the weather can affect those games. 
Um, that's where the hand size tends to come in. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what teams take him off the board and what teams say, yeah, you know, we can live with it. Another guy who was smaller than expected today was Evan Neal. He's frequently hyped up as being 350 pounds, but he said he weighed in at 336 pounds. Really stressed the idea of him being versatile because of the fact that he played guard as a freshman at Alabama. He really did look lean enough to play guard today when you're looking at the pictures, but if you watch his tape, and we've talked about this on the show before, Joe Blewett, our friend who does the film over at Blewett's Blitz, has discussed this at length. I'm not sure that his size and style really lends to being a guard at the NFL level. We'll see if some teams envision that possibility for him. If, say, the Jets were to pick him at number four, start him at guard year one, and then shift him to tackle year two after George Fant's contract is up. But as we were talking about earlier, George, much more likely that a team takes Evan Neal and puts him at tackle day one. So it is interesting that he was really stressing the versatility aspect. Yeah, it's funny. I think it's kind of underlying just, you know, how big a deal that's become with the linemen. Literally, every offensive lineman that was up there today was talking about their versatility and how they can play multiple spots and they're willing to do whatever. And some of them would admit, you know, I'd rather play guard or I'd rather play tackle, but I'll do whatever team asks me. You know, I think everybody says that in every position, but the linemen in particular just seems to become such a big deal with them that that position flexibility that, you know, a lot of that is for the depth guys, because if you're not a starter, you've got to be able to go in there and, and play just about anywhere they need you, because at a moment's notice, that's what you're going to be asked to do. It was funny to see Evan Neal talking about it. You know, he's very much in the conversation to be the number one overall pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you talk about him being slender. You know, he talked about that, that he, that he cut weight, uh, you know, since – even since the end of the season in Alabama, he looked more to me today like a post player in basketball than he did, mm. you know, in offensive lineman. I think it was an interesting thing to see. Uh, but that athleticism that he possesses a big part of his game. He was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. It's one of the reasons he's so highly thought of. Uh, and I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I really think given the number of defensive linemen that the Jaguars have taken in the first round in the last three or four years, I really think Neil's going to be the number one guy in this draft. We'll see how it plays out, but I really think he's going to be the guy for Jacksonville. If it's not Evan Neal, it very well could be Ikem Aquanu, the offensive tackle out of NC State. Those are the top two offensive linemen in this draft by quite a large margin. If you listen to the people that are on the inside of this process, Iquanu spoke today and he talked a lot about how he's not feeling any pressure. He just has expectations of himself. Iquanu is an incredibly impressive player, George, not just on the field, but off. This is a kid who manages his own financial portfolio, turned down an opportunity to go to the Ivy Leagues because he wanted to go to NC State, really liked the coach there. He's somebody that comes from a family with successful athletes and successful business people. So a very smart kid, plays very intelligently, but also vicious on the field. He came into the combine today, though, looking completely ripped. I'm not one to judge anything based on somebody's appearance, but if you were somebody that judged people just on their appearance, he would have gotten an A-plus today. Oh, he's massive, and... And he was really, you know, he handled himself very well at the podium, which you would expect with that background. Um, he, he's just a really interesting guy, really interesting personality. He was talking about uh, doing choir in high school and, and drama and, and all these other interests that he has and these things that, that he pursues. 
Uh, he's just a really, really interesting guy. And most importantly, he's a really, really good football player. And yeah, he's definitely in that mix at number one overall. I don't see him slipping out of the top five. He's going to be one of the first guys who hear their name called on, on draft day. Charles Cross, the offensive tackle for Mississippi State, who a lot of people early on in the process thought could be a top 5-10 pick. Now you're hearing more likely toward the end of the first round, somewhere in the 20s. Cross is a really funny guy. In addition to emphasizing his ability to play five positions on the offensive line, he was asked which of his games he would like NFL coaches to watch. He said the Alabama game. Asked any particular play, he said, nah, they can watch the whole game. <laughs> so he's a funny kid, had some real zingers today. And showed a real personality. Yeah, he's a funny guy too. You know, I, I think Cross is one of those guys. I don't want to call him a dark horse, but it is funny. Early on, he was mentioned with Equanu and with uh, Neil. You know, as maybe the the top guy in in the draft. And there were some evaluators that wanted to put him up there at number one. And now that's definitely he's he's a more solid third. And as you said, he's slipping into the bottom of the first round. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. He's definitely not as big a guy, um, just physically, as Equanu. Not, not many people are. Uh, but he's very athletic, and I think he's, he's similar to Neil in that sense. And that I think he's a guy that has versatility. If you, if you want that, uh, probably can play both right and left tackle. But he's got that athleticism that's so important. I mean, the way the offenses are playing these days, you know, you don't think about the offensive line and, and athletes that much, but Really, the last five years or so, that's the trend. You know, you need offensive linemen who can run, get out in front on these pools, um, do certain things on RPOs. Teams really look at that. I think Cross is one of those guys who can give them that that aspect of the game. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Versatility was one of the keys to this press conference today, George, for a lot of these players, including Zion Johnson, who said that his ability to play guard in college and have the opportunity to showcase his skills at center in the senior bowl meant a lot to him. He's somebody that has gotten a lot of attention from Jets fans, including me. I would love for the Jets to get him at 35 if he's there. Tyler Linderbaum, who's not known for his versatility at all, just known for being an outstanding center, he spoke as well. He said that he was proud to have been part of the Iowa tradition of outstanding offensive linemen. We know how many there have been. Tristan Wirfs, Brandon Scherf. I could go on and on. There's about a dozen of them that ended up becoming successful offensive linemen in the NFL. So Linderbaum, not a very versatile player, but excellent at what he does. Zion Johnson, really, really good, but versatile too. Those are two guys that Jets fans have had their eye on, and it could be worth monitoring both of them. Johnson, if he slides to the second round, and for Linderbaum, perhaps maybe the Jets trade up back into the first round, or if they trade out of pick 10, he could be in play. Either way, two fascinating offensive linemen. Yeah, I think Johnson, you know, Boston College doesn't get mentioned as much as like Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa. They produce quite a few good offensive linemen, too. You know, that that's another school that kind of known for that. And I think Johnson coming out of that background, uh, it, it much like Linderbaum, it, it was important to him to be part of that tradition and be part of that program. Uh, he mentioned a lot, though, about playing center at the Senior Bowl and what a great experience that was for him, what a comfort level it gives him uh, as he gets into this draft process, not knowing where he's going to land and what they're going to want him to do. He feels a lot more comfortable now going and playing center if that's what, you know, if that's what the future holds for him. Linderbaum, as you said, there's, he's going to be a center. He's not going to play anywhere else. Uh, he'll be the first center off the board. Where that comes, you know, probably depends a lot on, on how everything else shakes out. 
Um, but you know, he was, he was a wrestler too. I mean, if there's versatility, mm-hmm. that's where it is. He was a high school wrestler. A lot of those guys from Iowa are like a lot of football coaches like that because of what it does for your footwork, what it does for your balance, what it mm-hmm. does for understanding leverage, you know, I, we'll see how that translates, but he's, he's another one. That's, I guess that's where his versatility is being a two sport guy. We saw it from Tristan Wirfs and look at how well he's panned out in the NFL so far an all pro tackle. And there's video of Tyler Linderbaum pinning Tristan Wirfs at one point. So you know that Linderbaum has both the foot movement and the strength to get it done at the highest level. Darian Kennard from Kentucky, he said he sees himself as a tackle, but in the mold of what we're talking about, the theme here, versatility in this press conference, he's there to do a job and says he's willing to play guard for a team if that's what they want from him, which is interesting because in our yet-to-be-released Play Like a Jet mock draft version 1.0, I've got the Giants taking Darian Kennard at the top of the second round and sliding him to guard. So maybe Darian Kennard got an early look at the Play Like a Jet mock draft. One guy that's definitely not going to play guard at the NFL level, though, George, is Minnesota's Daniel Falele, who is an Australian. So our guy, the Thunder from down under, Luke Grant, is a little bit biased in his direction. He's 6'9", 380 pounds, and because he's Australian, big shock here, George, he says that his hero is Jordan Maliata, who has been one of the best tackles in the league for the Philadelphia Eagles and is Australian. So Falele, definitely going to be a tackle in the NFL. Kennard could be a tackle or a guard. Yeah, and Kennard said several times. It wasn't just once. He said several times, I'm going to do what they ask me. I'm here to get a job. You know, And I thought that was... As you said, if, if that gets you pushed up the draft board, why not, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if it means that you're a high second rounder instead of a mid-second rounder, you're probably going to be happy with that. You know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for him. But he was very adamant that while he prefers to play tackle, he won't stand in the way or, or fight any team that wants to draft him as a guard. Uh, one of the interesting things about Falele, Evan Neal and he were teammates at IMG Academy down there in Florida. And Neal said, the first day that, that he saw him on the field, like Falele was getting kind of a tour. It was his first day on campus. He looks down the field and he talked to one of the coaches and he said, what NFL team does he play for? And it was a freshman coming in <laughs> to high school. So I mean, he is a giant man. Uh, and and uh, he's he's followed that that very similar path to, to Melata. Um, you know, their, their career arc is, is very similar. Uh, I think any team that, that goes after him, you're going to be looking the same way the Eagles did. You know, it's not necessarily going to be about 2022. It's about what he'll be in 2023 or 2024 uh, because the ceiling with him is, is really, really high. Speaking of international players, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan is a native of Austria. He says that it's a privilege to be able to play for any team in the NFL, and he is thrilled with the opportunity. Came to the sport of football at the age of 14 playing in Vienna. So incredible background there for Bernard Raymond, who very well could be a first-round pick. In fact, spoiler alert, in the Play Like a Jet version 1.0 mock draft that has yet to be fully released on our YouTube channel, I do have Bernard Raymond going in the first round. If you want to know where, you're going to have to check out that video. 
Ohio State's Nicholas Pettit Frere says he's enjoying the combine experience and is really having fun talking with coaches. Says a lot of people told him that it was going to be a chore, but he doesn't understand why because he's having the best time of his life. So obviously, if this isn't putting the pressure on him and he's feeling loose and good, that's a very good sign for his future prospects. As far as Raymond goes, we know that he's a possible first rounder. He's certainly getting the lay of the land here. Somebody that came over from Austria at a relatively young age and has made a real mark in college football and plans to make another mark in the NFL. It was interesting with Raymond because a lot of times with those European guys when they come over, you know, they didn't start playing until they were maybe 17 or 18. Some of them didn't play football until they were in college. You know, they went to a smaller school and they learned on the fly, you know, at the college level. Um, for, for him at 14, you know, obviously that's older than, than most Americans are going to take up the game. But I thought that was a, a young age for, for a kid growing up in Austria. And he said he was on a club team. He was playing with older kids. It was a good team. They were successful over there. And he felt like that really helped prepare him. You know, when he got over here and he got to Central Michigan, he had a little bit better base because of, of that experience. It was just interesting. I don't think you see that all that often with the European guys. It's usually – when they came to America, whatever point they came over here is when they took up football, not while they were still home. Uh, as far as Pettit Frere goes, it was funny because you know, he's talking about a lot of guys said it's going to be early mornings. It's going to be a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of stress on you. It's going to be really hard. And he said, I get here and I'm just talking football with coaches and I'm making videos for ESPN and I'm having the best time of my life. And I just <laughs> thought it was really funny because uh, a lot of the prospects will talk about, you know, the medical check here is notoriously invasive and difficult. It comes at weird hours. Got to get woke up at like four o'clock in the morning to go take a drug test randomly. You know, there's a lot about this that's not fun. Uh, this obviously, Pettit Frere is a kid that loves football. And he's looking at all this and saying, hey, you know what? I'm blessed. He, he said that. I'm blessed to have this opportunity. Uh, it was just interesting perspective from him. It's interesting, George, when guys are asked who their favorite player is or who they model their game after. And typically you'll hear some first ballot Hall of Famer or some guy who's currently in the league. But you didn't get that from Abraham Lucas of Washington State. He says his favorite player ever is Kyle Turley, who, don't get me wrong, was a really good player, but that's not the answer you would expect. In the past, you would have thought maybe somebody like Anthony Munoz, if we're being a little bit more current, you would probably think that it would be one of the top offensive linemen in the league playing right now. He said, I don't know if I'm as mean as Kyle Turley is. That guy was just straight up nasty. Lucas is another guy that has versatility to play guard and tackle. Kentucky's Luke Fortner says that playing in Liam Cohen's offense last year will help him transition to the NFL. Liam Cohen is now going to be the offensive coordinator for the Rams. He takes over for Kevin O'Connell, who goes to take the head coach job over in Minnesota with the Vikings. Chris Paul, the guard out of Tulsa, spoke as well. And I got to tell you, George, points for cleverness here because you did it a little bit under the radar. You wrote Tulsa's Chris Paul, a guard, of course, making reference to the NBA guard, Chris Paul. And he says that he really feels that he's versatile, but would love to play in a smash mouth scheme. That makes sense because he's a nasty player as well. Dylan Parham, a former blocking tight end for Memphis, spoke as well. He talked about the transition from being a blocking tight end to an offensive lineman. And even though he hasn't had that much time at the position, he believes he can make an impact in the NFL. Yeah, and I think he's another guy with upside because of that. You know, he didn't really start playing 
offensive line until he was a freshman at, at Memphis, and he said, I had no idea. You know, I never dreamed five years ago I'd be sitting here at the podium as an offensive lineman. It wasn't even, you know, part of his plan. And so here he is with a chance to, to play as a pro at that position. And you never really know what 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 route you're going to take, you know, uh, in this game. And, and I think he's a great example of that. Fortner was interesting, too, because he said uh, prior to Cohen's arrival at Kentucky, they were more of a run-based team. I know for a while there they had a wide receiver playing quarterback, uh, and basically running a wishbone, but they threw the ball a lot more this year, and I think he feels like he he got a lot of experience that way. Uh, Chris Paul too, because Tulsa was a smash mouth team, but they they like to wide out, they they, they like to spread out the the receivers way out wide and spread the defense a little bit. So he thinks he got to see a lot of of you know different looks and and things that will prepare him for the NFL as well. Chris Paul did joke about he's not met the basketball Chris Paul. But he says, you know, someone needs to contact State Farm and he'll be happy to do a commercial with them. I'm sure he would. I'd be happy to do a commercial with State Farm, too. So call me State Farm. I'm available. Luke Godkey from Central Michigan was also at the podium today. Another player who emphasized his ability to play multiple positions. He's been training at guard center and tackle during the pre-draft process, working with Paul Alexander and Joe Staley. Those are some good people to work with, I would say, especially Joe Staley, who, by the way, right now is in addition to being a retired offensive lineman, a studio analyst for NBC Sports Bay Area covering the San Francisco 49ers. Kenneth Walker, the top running back in the draft, spoke as well. He thinks he's going to run a 440. He's going to participate in all the drills except the bench press, which he says he will do on his pro day. Speaking of running backs, James Cook took the podium. He said he set the over-under for how many times he's asked about his brother Dalvin, the running back from the Minnesota Vikings, at six, which makes me laugh because I'm sure he is going to get asked a lot, and I would be willing to bet on the over there. And finally, when it comes to running backs, this may be the best quote of the entire process so far. Michigan's Hassan Haskins, when asked about his running style, quote, I like to run through people. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way. It was funny because they asked uh, Walker specifically today, do you, would you rather run over somebody or would you rather make a guy miss? And he said he likes both, but he'd rather make a guy miss. And then Haskins, obviously, the other end of that spectrum, he'd rather run over somebody. Uh, you know, Malik, Malik Willis had a good one yesterday, too, because somebody asked him which offense, which offensive system he prefers. And he said the one that scores points. I think that was probably a good good idea for a quarterback. <laughs> Speaking of quarterbacks, we talked about Kenny Pickett earlier and him having smaller hands than expected. It appears that Traylon Burks, the receiver out of Arkansas, also has smaller hands than expected. And Drake London has measured in at a shorter height than people thought. So we'll see what the actual measurements are. We should be able to have that information for you tomorrow. We're going to have a lot more in terms of measurements and weights tomorrow as well. Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher out of Michigan, who's probably going to go in the top two, is walking around today. People were passing around videos of him on Twitter, and he did look smaller than you would expect. He's listed at 269. I would be surprised if he's that heavy based on the video that we saw, but we're going to find out soon enough. Also wanted to bring up one last note from around the league, George, and this involves a local team here, the New York Giants. Dan Duggan, the Giants reporter from The Athletic, is saying that he's spoken to sources who believe that the Giants probably couldn't get more than a third-round pick for James Bradbury 
and no more than a fourth rounder for Saquon Barkley, which once again shows you how much that pick was a mistake in the first place. Even if Barkley was going to be a generational running back, which he didn't turn out to be, in part because of injuries, he was one of the highest paid players at the position right away, and by the time you were going to have to pay him, you were going to have to be a team that was contending, otherwise it was going to be a complete disaster. That's what's going on right now, and George, you and I were talking about this. Barkley might be an interesting move for a team like the Bills, who needs a running back and is this close to a Super Bowl run. But even a team like the Bills, you'd have to find a way to get him in under the salary cap. He's going to be a tough sell. And if you're only getting a fourth-round pick, if you're the Giants, I think you might as well just hang on to him and get that compensation pick at the end of the year. So Bradbury and Barkley both available, but it doesn't look like the Giants are going to be able to get the kind of return that they would be hoping for. It's going to be interesting to the trade market in, in general because – uh, you know, it sounds like everybody's depressed right now in that regard. I mean, you mentioned those two things with the Giants. I know at one point, and there's conflicting reports on it, but at one point, it didn't sound like the 49ers were excessively happy with, with the offers they were getting for Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Now he's going undergoing so- shoulder surgery, and we'll see how that affects everything. You know, I, I don't know what the market's going to be for Carson Wentz. It just it, – it sounds like it might be. And it just the fact that, you know, most years by now, we have – heard a report of a trade or two you know there's been a deal here uh obviously can't become official until the league year starts but normally some of that's out there you know and it just hasn't happened it feels like it's going to be a little bit slower trade market i wonder if that has to do with the 17th game you know everything's a little bit later uh everything seems like it's it's a little bit more compressed time frame maybe that's causing the you know the 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 trade market to, to go a little bit slower, but I guess in the long run, it makes me wonder how the free agent market will look, you know, is it going to be affected as well? Uh, we're so used to those rapid fire, you know, tampering starts. And then there's just announces, you know, announcements of agreements, just one after another. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I expect it to happen again this year, but you just wonder if everything about this off season right now just seems a little sluggish to me for some reason. One last note, George, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network is reporting that Andrew Booth, one of the top cornerbacks in this draft, is not going to be taking part in on-field drills at the Combine due to a strained quad that he suffered a few days ago while training for the 40, so he will work out at his pro day. But we're going to get a lot of players working out. We'll see it in prime time, and we'll have all the results and so much more to talk about tomorrow with our friend George Bremer, who covers the Colts for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. George, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you again tomorrow to recap day number four. In the meantime, make sure you're following George on Twitter at GM Bremer and reading his work over at the Herald Bulletin. You can either Google Herald Bulletin or, of course, you can go to George's Twitter and there's links up there for all his articles. Make sure you check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some fantastic videos up there including Traylon Burks we talked about him he's apparently got smaller hands than people expected we're going to have a video up soon of Drake London the receiver out of USC who is apparently shorter than people expected watch their tape and see what you think it'll be up on our YouTube channel so watch and subscribe if you haven't already visit our store at tpublic.com that's tee we've got the John Franklin Myers Quinton Williams bless you thank you shirt the Zach the Ripper shirt the Zach says go long shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's tee public.com 
And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.